0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Gerard Evolution of a Revolution. It's David here in the chair, as always, and as always, with a consistency of selection that bodes well for title challenges. It's Stevie Clifford.
1: Hello, Stephen. Hi, David. Really looking so, forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too, mate. Uh, last week we did, uh, of course, Stephen Gerard's first year, 2018-19, um, when he, I think, showed promise. The season ended without a trophy, which which was disappointing. I had had in my head and I was thinking about this reading some of the comments from the listeners last week, Stevie, That I'd had in my head that initially the league might be a wee bit too far for us, but we would be a good cup team. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that the one thing over the course of these seasons that we'll be discussing is that that hasn't really come to the fore yet, but perhaps the area that if you like makes up for that is, is Europe. What do you think are the, the differences, the elements that's required to be successful in a knockout cup competition as opposed to the consistency that's required to do well in a league or even a group stage
1: of Europe? It's an interesting question because I would have agreed with you. I would have thought that it would have been easier to build a team that could win one-off matches instead of being a, a team that's consistently went through a season. I just think that there's been a host of things that have happened at the time that we've had the Cup games. Suspensions in year one, as we discussed last last week, particularly with Alfredo Morelos. Year two, which we're going to discuss, we were extremely unlucky. And then again, suspensions and, and other things hurt us for that one. This year, this year has been a real disappointment and I can't put my finger on why we've not managed to, to do that because we were basically given three runs and I would have, I would have thought that this year would have been best place. But I think the pressure is a wee bit on us next season, actually, to do well in the cups. But the league is always a priority. But it is a, it's a mystifying question in terms of how can we be, you know, how can we have been so consistent and invincible in the league this term, but failed so badly in the cups? So I don't have an answer to it. I really don't. I don't think there's. I don't think it's attitude and things. I think just in in terms of we've been unlucky. But we definitely should have been better I would say that out of the, the kind of Six cups that we went for Out with the league Domestically I think that we're entitled to think That we should maybe at least have had three Or it's certainly we've, we've you know put ourselves in the position To have three and that's not disrespectful To anyone, you know, when you reach a cup final And when, when you have a, a run at it Like we should have had this year I think we've got to be doing better. But the million-dollar question, David, I don't know, maybe you've got an idea, but I certainly don't have an idea of, what, of why we've managed not to put our cup up yet. No, um, not only have we not, of course, won
0: one, we haven't really came close except once um, in six attempts. And I think that that is probably the, the bigger issue. in it, it. It's a strange one. I think that we were all influenced by Gerard, the player. And what we thought he might be like as a manager and therefore when he arrived I think that we remembered that swashbuckling cup winning captain and perhaps there were some concerns that bled into uh, does he have what it takes to win a title to win a league because obviously he didn't do it as a player and I think that that was unfair but natural if that makes sense I think that it's understandable because we didn't have a track record of his to go on, so we're going to look at for evidence what we know and what we knew was Stephen Gerrard, the player, which is what this show is about. It's about the evolution of him from arriving as, I think, still somebody that wasn't quite divorced from his career as a player yet, uh, even though he'd gone into to youth coaching. I think that we saw him and we talked about this with his interviews last week on the show that that sometimes it seemed a wee bit to me more like a, a disappointed captain than a, than a manager. Um, and that is something that I think has absolutely, definitely changed in the, the time that he's he's been in the hot seat. But yeah, on this season, for example, as you said, uh, I saw an interview with uh, Borna Barisic and he said, you know, the only... That, sorry, uh, Philip Hellander, but Borna Baris actually said something similar, but the interview was with Philip Hellander, and they said, great season, really consistent, played great football, good in Europe. We were disappointed in the Cups, and I don't know why, because it was just so out of character for everything else we saw this season. You could argue, and I would probably agree, that our two worst performances of this season came in two Cup ties, and we'll need to, we'll need to figure out why. But that's for next week. Right now... We're going to go back to the summer of 2019. Now, this is an interesting season because obviously it wasn't completed. Uh, we only got three quarters of it in the can before it came. But we'll come to that. First things first, Stephen. The transfer dealings that summer. My feeling on it was pretty happy with the defence. Think that you know you're always looking at, at quality in midfield. But what I thought we desperately needed was. The type of player who could make something happen, a match changing player, I felt that the season before there had been so many draws when so many draws when we should have got something or narrow defeats where we just didn't turn our possession into opportunities, never mind into goals. And I thought that was the key. And if you look at the players who arrive, Ryan Kent eventually arrives. Joe Arebo was another big one. But even attempts at, with players like, I would argue, Jordan Jones, Brandon Barker, uh, Greg Stewart, that he was trying to find a
1: little extra in that final third. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> if you factor in Jake Hasty as well, Greg Stewart, you know, in terms of, I think he most likely shared the same feelings that we did, that we were just a tad short of of that missing link. That something, that extra spark, because as you as we spoke about last week, if memory serves me correct, there was nine draws in his first season in the league and I think six defeats, um twenty three victories. So if we're wanting to, to turn those draws, because it was it was a nine point um gap, I think, that we eventually lost the the league on. And that was maybe a wee bit a wee bit kind because they had won it to the point where the last six or seven games we won, um, apart from the last game, and, and they maybe took their foot off it. So if we were looking at it in terms of turning these draws in into victories, it was what we had. But I think at the time, if if you look at it, we've, made, we've done good business. You know, Joe Rebo and Ryan Kent would, would turn in to be superstars this year. But it's just we've had to kind of wait for them to hit that consistent peak. And I still think there's more to come. In terms of, of the, the ones he he brought in, I was like you. I mean, the, the big obviously the big transfers were the arrival of Philip Hollander, Ryan Kent, Joe Rebo, and then, you know, the rest was, was I don't think it you know, Stephen Davis and, and uh, Jermaine Defoe obviously came full time, but I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but it was more squad padding that we hadn't had before there was a lot of boys went out again and and these boys would would make up the nucleus and you were hoping that they would push on
0: I thought an interesting change that summer was the decision to sell Daniel Kendaes now Stephen Gerrard was chasing him out the door But he left him out of an early Euro squad. Um, Cadeus was playing really well. Do you remember that friendly against, I think it was Marseille? Marseille. Yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, But he left him out of an early Euro squad. I don't think it was particularly because he was never going to get a game in Europe. I think it was he wanted to have a look at Shea Ojo, of course, was another one who arrived. Um, I, I think he wanted to have a look at some of the guys he'd brought in. But I think Kandias did look around. We did seem to sign a lot of wide players. Uh, And so I think Kandias looked around and thought, hang on. Got a good offer from Turkey, which he did. Um, Spoke to the manager and the manager said, I'd I'd like you to stay, but no, I can't guarantee that you'll start every week. And Kandias said, well, and I admire this, Stevie. I like a guy who said, well, I want to play. You know, I I think it's far too easy for modern footballers to, to just sit and up money. Uh, I like a guy who's no, no, I, I, I want to go and play, and he did, and he has. But when asked about it, Gerard said we don't get enough from that area because you know the previous season, Condeas had had five goals, five assists, and Gerard's view was for all the other things he brings, is that isn't enough for what we need to win things. And if you compare it to this season when we have been successful, the stats are just you know they're non. they can't sit side by side but I think that that looking back was quite a significant passing of the torch transfer with the manager saying we've moved on of stage one which is right we need to work hard and not be a joke and make sure that we're competitive but then it was right now we need quality and although it would take us another year really to get that quality and embedded in I think that that was a significant looking back quite a significant transfer.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. And the funny thing is, uh, the Marseille game you mentioned, obviously he scored scored two that day in a in a comprehensive victory, a really good performance. And everybody was saying how well he looked. Um there know, was he was a, brilliant. He yeah, was the there best was a player goal, in the park. Yeah, there was a goal. Ryan Jack played it over the top and he ran on it one touch and finished lovely. And we were all hoping for big things. And, and exactly a week later, David, he was gone. So that did come as a, as a bit of a surprise. I don't think there was... Put it. I would say this, and I even say it now, I don't think the money that we got in terms for Daniel Candias was enough for what we lost, if that makes sense. So, you know, 700,000, it wasn't as much as we lost from the team. He, he still could have been a really important player throughout. And I think I think you're right. I think in terms of, maybe not initially because Shea Ojo started so well and, and so strongly, but as the season progressed and as we got to the Nitty-gritty and, and after the window uh, sorry the winter shutdown and things I think Daniel Kis would have played a lot of football especially Europe and things as well because he was always going to be there and thereabouts but I think that like you you know I admire the fact that he did make the move and he wanted permanent football but I can't help but think this is a wee bit like the Josh Windass situation but a year later in terms of they made the decision too rashly and, and too quickly. I still think Daniel Candeas would be an important part of the team throughout the season, but he's he's gone. I don't think that, and it, this is hindsight as well, because obviously we've seen how it's unfolded and things. And obviously Jake Hasty hasn't worked out. Um, Jordan Jones hasn't really grasped his opportunity. Brandon Barker isn't good enough. That's not mean to be disrespectful to the boy, these boys, but I still think if Daniel Candice had stuck in a wee bit more. And it's not a criticism of him. You know, he went first-team football. It's not a criticism. But what I'm trying to say is I think he still would have been there or thereabouts for that team, no problem at all.
0: I think he'd have played that year, but I think it would have been more due to the the fact that the other guys, as you say, didn't quite grasp the chance. I, I just don't think Candeus was good enough to take us where we needed to go. Um, I think if you look at his career, hard-working, uh, very much so. But I think that we did need to move to a position where... We had attackers who we who could do that who you know if you look at for example the difference between someone like Candace and Yanis hadji you'll see Candace a lot more in a match he'll be involved a lot more in a match and you'll get to the end of the season and hadji's as as he's proved this year has been involved in four or five times as many goals and that's the difference you know that that's that level of quality that we needed but that was a, a, a good bit away. Start off early uh, in July with uh, St. Joseph's uh, in Gibraltar. Uh, we head out there, uh, beat St. Joseph's 4-0, then beat them 6-0 at Ibrox. Pretty straightforward victory. Then our old friends, in inverted commas, progress Niederkotten, who well, no jokes. You know, as, as bad a result as that is, you shouldn't go out to a Luxembourg side. They're very hard-working, very well-organised. Um, Rangers beat them 2-0 at Ibrox and then draw 0-0 away, which felt like a a notable enough result not because beating a luxembourg side is anything huge just because of if you wanted a sort of bookend of the, how different we were from the pedro era then there's a brilliant example of that i think um and then our first league game of the season we're away to rugby park now tough game against kelly and We've been there before, and, and Rangers play, I think, reasonably well. It's a tight game against Kilmarnock. They've a new manager in, but it's still essentially the Steve Clark side. Uh, Rangers take the lead, but then we begin to see a lot of what we saw before, which is in the second half, Rangers haven't put Kilmarnock away, a goal up. And I remember sitting watching this game. I wasn't at the game. I was watching it on TV, and I remember chatting to people you know, on various places you know on on social media and we're all sitting going they're gonna score they're gonna score they're gonna score and with seven minutes to go they score bad goal from a rangers point of view and the utter rage uh, that i felt that you felt everybody felt that here we go again the same old stuff um nothing's been learned etc etc but the script does flipped somewhat with, in the last minute, Rangers get a corner, Connor Goldson is there, heads at home, um, and Rangers pick up the three points. That was a game that I felt signalled a bit of a turn, and as it turned out, it was a bit of a false dawn.
1: But at that point, that was a big result. Yeah, it definitely was. Like you say, the the thing that was so disappointing about not only the way that game panned out and, and the same old frustrations but the goal we lost was the exact same the free kick where nobody dominates, it goes to the back post, it, he's, he's allowed time for it to bounce and, and then kind of places it high in the roof of the net and I like you at that point was, was really frustrated, here we go again but it flipped, like you said, because everybody took a lot out of that, we, we all said right, this is a great indication of they have learned their lessons. It shows you the, the fine margins in football because if Goldson hadn't met that header, then we would all have you know, basically been down the dumps and over-exaggerated, you know leagues over, first week, etc., etc. we have been there before. But because we didn't, because we managed to win, we flipped it and it was all a case of, well, they have learned their lessons, we can now kick on. But definitely... It was a close one. The opening games of the season always are, especially at Rugby Park, so it was a case of it was a, it was a good three points and, and on we go, but I, do, I don't remember thinking at the time that I was worried overly. I I was trying to be really positive and perhaps see past any... I didn't see any warning signs on the day, David, if that makes sense, as if to say we should be... this should be noted as, as being too close or or warning signs in terms of goals we had lost. I didn't feel that way. I wanted to be positive in terms of, well, now we can now we can kick on and, and really go into the season. Because merged with, uh, obviously, the Europa League, we had a fairly decent pre-season in terms of friendlies and things. So at that point, I thought that everything was going OK. It certainly was. And we then take on... A very tough-looking
0: European tie. We play Michelin uh, of Denmark. Danish side, um, had been in the Champions League uh, qualifiers. Very, very good team. Great home record. And it looks, a really, you know, Danish football is a good standard at the top end of it. And you thought, oh, this will be a good game. And Rangers are brilliant. Rangers are absolutely sensational. Led, it has to be said, by... I think a surprise inclusion that night, Jordan Jones. I don't think we expected him to play. And he was terrific. Absolutely tore them apart. Rangers race into a 3-0 lead. And you're thinking, my goodness, and uh, get two back. And even so, you're in a good position. But Rangers add a fourth to pretty much kill the tie. And given the return leg at, at Ibrox, Rangers win 3-1 really comfortably. I think that the fourth goal over there really knocked the stuffing out of them. 7-3 aggregate win that's really not in doubt for large spells of the tie uh, a terrific performance Stephen and then we take on Leisure Warsaw and this is I think from our point of view of the evolution of Gerard the manager this is I think tactically one of the best triumphs uh, of the team because you know you have to include Michael Beale in that um, we go over to Warsaw, draw now. Now, very tight very very tight match, good side Leisure Warsaw, back to Ibrox same again and then of course, with mere seconds remaining, up pops Alfredo Morelos from a Jordan John's cross, actually, heads at home. I believe the word the youngsters use, Stephen, is scenes, um, places going absolutely bar me. We're in the Europa League. Of course, the, the money then allows us to go and buy Ryan Kent on Casper Kent Day, the the last day of the window. But these are two, I think, underrated ties. Because these are good, good sides. There's a lot on the line. And Rangers come through two different, but two huge tests and get back in to the the Europa League for the second year in a row.
1: Yeah, and was really um, a fantastic indication of, of how far we came in Europe. Because this was a tie that undoubtedly years before we would have struggled undoubtedly probably wouldn't have progressed, David. And even... If you go even further back, and we've discussed this before. In times of you know Walter Smith, Alex McLeish, where we had better sides, even you know these periods where we were where we were strong, we're winning domestic trebles and things like that. We we didn't progress in Europe against teams like this as easily as we did that night. You know to beat Mitchell and four two away, like you say, Jordan Jones that that counter attacking goal where he feeds the Rebo, the first proper sign of, of Joe Rebo I think as well that. This boy can finish and he and he's got you know, he's got skills at home, again, very, very routine. We're making these ties look routine. Everything's everything's going well, but I think everybody knew that Legia was a was a step up. But that was a an night. And I don't rem- I don't know if you remember that at home. The fans played a huge part on this because around eighty odd minutes the Legia fans done a a a pyro display, some of yes. which then made it onto the pitch and the smoke covered the pitch. Well, that galvanised our fans with with 10 minutes or so left and it, and it was a real proper, proper European atmosphere with a couple of minutes left. And I've no doubts, David, that that drove us on and, and really kicked us on. But the scenes, as you say, euphoric scenes um, when that goal goes in that header and it's just it's bedlam, proper European nights again at Ibrox and and we're back and we're through and and like you say that did allow us to kick on um and get Ryan Kane. I think that if if he does if we don't win that night we don't pay the money for him, and you know, history could have been so much different. So, a vital moment, a huge a huge game. And like you say, we were very tactically astute. I don't remember, and I've I've kind of looked back over reports because I knew we would talk about the significance of this. They didn't actually create that much against us at no, all. They didn't. There was a chance in the in the first game jack I think, had an effort which we dealt with okay. Aside of that, we were very, very solid, tactically very good, defensively very strong, and it was a great result. Rangers, league campaign starts off pretty
0: solidly. Our first home match sees a 6-1 victory over Hibbs. Of course, no one remembers anything to do with Rangers that day because Scott Allen's pass Um was, of course, of course, was I'm sure anyone remembers. But we then beat Saint Mirren one 0 which I think is a big result in, a the career, in the career of a certain Rangers player, Borna Barisic, who has started the season well enough. Um, and there's a couple of things uh, I think that that do this for him. Firstly, that free kick, and that's the moment everybody picks out. I'd like to chuck another one into the mix. The fireball the final goal, yes. spot on he is up the Borna that we now know but and that we saw Ferozicek against us but we hadn't really seen in his time at Rangers and there's Borna up the field thundering into a tackle winning the tackle and it's a tremendous finish by Shea Ojo an absolute peach but um, Borna Barisic begins to show why we bought him and of course has never looked back just has not looked back and is now the Croatian national team left back going into Euros for the, the World Cup finalists at the last World Cup. So I think, don't take our word for it, I suppose, is what I'm saying there. But uh, yes, and then, Stevie, your Warsaw, we're all on a high. Uh, on the Sunday, Rangers welcomed Celtic to Ibrox and the feeling among the support was incredibly confident. Rangers were playing well. And we were at home, full house at Ibrook, beautiful sunny day uh in September, perfect conditions for football. Stupid early Sunday kickoff, twelve o'clock. But uh I remember going up to the game with two of the Podders, Martin and Marina, um, from Co-Winning. we got up there parked, all in a good mood, walking down to the stadium. Uh I was sitting that day with uh Hoggy and his daughter in the enclosure and we all meet up outside Ibrox, and I swear to goodness, and I've spoken to other Rangers fans who were there that day. I that know I'm what not going to say here. I yeah. know, I'm not imagining it. We're all standing there checking the phone for the team. The team comes up. I remember it so clearly standing outside this beautiful day at Ibrox with all my friends, thousands of other Bears right outside the main stand, and almost simultaneously, everybody, thousands of people went,
1: Ooh, he got the team badly wrong that day. Yeah, he did, and this was—it was significant for a couple of reasons. Not only did we get beat, the decision to start Jermaine obviously didn't work at all. And to Ben Alfredo, who was surely on a high after that, yeah,
0: last minute winner.
1: Yeah, it was similar. You know, this this comes similar to what we spoke about the the episode before last week when he when he went to three at the back at Motherwell. This was the, that I think this is the only time that he's properly dropped Alfredo for a big game in rotation with somebody else. I don't think that's happened this year. I don't think it happened again. So it very much was a a lesson learned, but it definitely didn't work. And not only did it not work, David, it deflated everyone. Mm. Like you, I was, you know, obviously at the game and things today, um, that day, and I was actually in the ground. I'm I'm an early grounder, David. I like to be in, (laughs) right? So... It's funny because we were obviously. I've told you that the the Scotland game next week were to be in by eleven thirty. My wife said to me, she said, "See if that was Rangers, you would be delighted. You would be so so happy about it." So I like to be in early and I'm kind reaction... of annoyed
0: at that because I wanted you for Hot Mike, and then when I was doing up my Hot Mike team, I was going to ask you, uh, and I thought, oh, "Is it the bloody game?" But <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, never mind. Next one, but the yeah next one the same as you see when we were um you were outside, I was in the ground, see everybody in the ground, it was more or less they looked at looked at their phones, looked to the guy to the side of you, looked at their <laughs> phones, looked back, and it was like, you know, <laughs> WTF, what's going on here? It and it was. took the wind out of everybody's sails. And I think that I think that, that was another huge moment in terms of Stephen Gerard learning I don't recall a time that for a huge batch, certainly Celtic, etc., he's ever done that again. And I think it just highlighted how invaluable Alfredo was and important. If he didn't already know it, he certainly knew it after that game.
0: Can I bring this up? And this isn't really to do with the manager, something he did, but I think it ties in the reason I bring this up as a comparison is just that it's as we're recording folks, this is this is quite a kind of timely thing. Recently, the European Cup final but um, I know you were delighted to, to, to see Chelsea win, obviously, for, yes. uh, for young Billy Gilmer. But there is a suspicion and a widely held theory that Pep Guardiola has a tendency in big European matches to overthink it and to end up psyching himself out, really, by possibly trying to be too clever and by making changes and doing things that don't really need done, uh, that end up actually weakening his team. Um, you know, things like no holding midfielder against Chelsea, and it just didn't work the year before against Lyon, going to a three at the back and having two holding midfielders against Lyon, for goodness sake. There's several examples when he was at Bayern Munich in the, the latter stages of Champions League. I wonder if that happened to the Rangers coaching side that day, that they overthought it. And rather than... Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that, that coaches shouldn't <laughs> be going into matches looking at the opposition and thinking about how they're going to play and you know, making tweaks and whatnot. But can managers in general psych themselves out and talk themselves, I suppose, into things that if they had maybe a wee bit more distance from it they would realise no actually that's I'm making a change
1: here for something that doesn't need to be changed. Yeah I would agree and I think see if we if, again if we look at what happened the year before when we went to Ufa um, and we're nine men and everybody was you know absolutely burst and then we went to Parkhead a couple of days later and, and we spoke about this last week in terms of the coaching staff admitted that we were tanks you know completely empty. And we more or less, not settled, but um, you used a phrase where we just contained, basically. I think, similarly, we've just got through against Warsaw, where then a few days later on the Sunday against Celtic again, that maybe that's went into their psyche a wee bit too much. And it falls into what you're saying perfectly in terms of over- overthinking it. And also think, Pep, for that, that, you know, for the Champions League final, he's got to throw Aguero on earlier and stuff. And I, and I agree with you, he has in, in big games, he, he's made some strange decisions, but for this one, I think that we've maybe went with the, the old containment theory from last year and we'll bring Alfredo on the last half an hour, but of course, when he comes on, it's it's, it's too late. But something else happened that day, David, as well that was hugely significant in the career of Jordan Jones at Rangers. Good. Because he, he obviously gets sent off in, in the last minute for a Horrendous challenge and misses the next four months. And I think that that, be, and, and this will sound harsh, but I think that's basically stopped his Rangers career before it's even started.
0: It was huge because it put a doubt in the manager's mind about whether he could trust him. And it derailed his season, you know, because he was out for three months at a time when he was you know, in good form and playing well. But it was a piss poor decision from a not a kid. You know, um, to go and do that, we don't. We're not impressed if you chop somebody at two nil down at home to Celtic. That doesn't make us think you're a tough man. You know, no, uh, it doesn't. And when you injure yourself and not him as well, then we just think you're a bit of a fool. Um, so that's not the way we want to see Rangers players going. So I think it casts huge doubt among the support, which was such a shame because he was, he was changing. I think a few people were a wee bit. I don't fancy him. And he had already started to to demonstrate, oh, there's, there's ability there. But, I, look, I think I might be wrong. You know, he's still a Rangers player, as we record. I don't think he will be for long. But uh, I do think that at the end of Jordan Jones' career, we're going to look back on a guy who should have achieved significantly more than he than he will. But he'll never play for a club as big as us again, put it that way. Agreed. least. So, some excellent form from Rangers over the next couple of months in, in various competitions in the league. Rangers are, are very good, a couple of slip ups. Um, beat Livingston 3 1, St Johnson away 4 0, 5 0 home wins over Aberdeen and Hamilton. A 1 1 draw at heart, it's not a great performance. Uh, Rangers showing. Worrying things of not really playing particularly well out there. But back on track by beating Motherwell 2-1. Philip Hellander with a late goal. 4-0 at Ross County. A superb Rangers performance. Ryan Jack in particular. um, Beating Livingston 2-0 away. Always you know, a good victory. 3-1 away to Hamilton. 5-0 at home to Hearts. And then a very peculiar league performance. We are playing Aberdeen uh, at Pataudry. Rangers race into a 2-0 lead inside half an hour. And are superb. At that point, it's how many... Aberdeen get a goal back and Rangers completely stop. And in the second half, Aberdeen get an equaliser. Rangers should have a penalty. Uh, Unfortunately, John Beaton is the referee and therefore don't get it, obviously. There was a free kick instead, doesn't he? There a free kick on the edge of the Mm -hmm. ball. But it's all right, he phoned and apologised later. Um, But even so, we're Rangers. And although we do get screwed by the referee on this occasion, that game... How Aberdeen come out of it with a point the, the game should have been put to bed Inside 30 minutes But at 2-0 up Playing the way we're playing You can't come out of there with a point And this
1: season's team could have been playing far worse And still won Yeah it was a particularly difficult night as well Because we're flying at that point And I think if I remember correctly We're, we're really within touching distance Of them It was a case of you know if they drop points We're going to go up top and things like that And this was just before the League Cup final as well. So it was a, a difficult few days for us, but you go 2-0 up anywhere on 30 minutes and and, and don't win, it's, it's really disappointing. But that that was a sign of things to come in terms of we weren't able to... We still hadn't got that out of our system, David, that when we had a setback, we couldn't recover. And this was a, a clear sign of, of that, Definitely a really disappointing night as well. To lose the goals, that's something else that happened. You know, they score in 40 and 48. To lose two goals as quickly as that from a position of, of, of being so solid and so in command, I don't think that happens now. You know. No, I don't either. This season in the league, I think only Hibs scored more than one against us. Off the top of my head, I think that's correct. I think the 2-2 away was the only time. So it shows you that we we have obviously learned, but at that point in the the evolution of, of the team and things, we we definitely haven't. So a body blow, um, definitely.
0: Yeah, it really was. And uh, Stevie mentioned there the league cup progress, and that has been pretty smooth. Uh, ending up with a a one nil victory away to with Glen Camaro. The goal tough tough tie, but we we get through it. Um, Welcome to Scotland for Joe Eribo, unfortunately, as is, is, he's uh, head-butted by Declan Gallagher. And uh, he, he, tough, You know, in terms of toughening up, Joe Eribo has, but there are certain things they shouldn't have to put up with. But still, it's Scotland. Anyway, uh, yes, beat Hart 3-0 in the League Cup semi. Very comfortable. And to the final, Rangers versus Celtic at hand. And ticket scramble ahoy. This is the second lowest point for me in the Gerrard reign and the reason I say that is that Rangers are excellent that day really are, um, dominate absolutely dominate the game Celtic just can't get out against us Rangers, midfield Davis and Jack totally dominant, is causing them all sorts of problems and up front Alfie is getting the better defenders but we can't score we just can't get the ball in the net. Fraser Forster in goal for Celtic does have a superb match. Celtic take the lead uh, with an offside goal. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, here we go again. But then Rangers get a penalty. and uh, uh, Rangers get a penalty. Celtic got a red card at the penalty as well. And here we go. Put this away. Go on and win the cup. Now, James Tavernier had come off penalties after missing a few just before, and Alfredo Morelos is the designated penalty taker. Up steps, Alfie, Foster saves it, and that's it. We we know. I mean, I was there that day. I, everybody, we knew. That was it. It was done. And coming out of the ground, people my age all had the same thought, and we didn't really want to express it, but when we got together quietly, we all said it. We are Tommy Burns' of Celtic. We're a good side. We play good stuff, but we just don't have a winning mentality. And that's exactly what used to happen when Walter was here, that they could play badly, their goalie would make saves and they would find a way to get over the line. And the feeling of emptiness after that defeat was total. It was such a painful one to take.
1: Yeah, it was. And even now, when we're discussing it, I've, I've got horrible feelings in my stomach. We dominated that game, battered them, lost such an appalling goal in terms of, I think, not only was there one of them offside, I think three of them were offside, David. Mm. And so difficult to legislate for that, but then to kick back and the whole penalty thing, as soon as, like you, as soon as we missed that, that was another indication of, of what we've managed to overcome, but we hadn't at that point, was that they simply just packed they packed the defence I remember they were just kicking the ball away And we were taking it and, and coming again McGregor was standing basically you know, Well outside his box as a sweeper And off we went again every time But there was nothing We couldn't break them down There was no inventiveness In fact I don't think there was many opportunities After the red card In terms of before it Alfredo was was dominating He had a lot of efforts I remember the one in the first half When he, he bullies mm. a defender out on the right and then cuts in and drives in, and, and he's unlucky because he he's, he hits it low and hard, which he should have, but the keeper's actually done well. But in terms of bossing it and bullying, we were just overrunning them. And like you, after that game, it was really difficult to stay to stay positive. And we've, we've got, you know, people say to us, David, that we've got a, a sense of responsibility in terms of our social media platforms and, and trying to not be overly negative and trying not to push an opinion on people in terms of if, if we think that somebody's had a bad game, people are really quick to tell us that we shouldn't, you know, be overly negative and things like that. But I will say after that one, I really struggled to try and stay positive. And I always try and keep positive and say, look, you know, we're getting close to them or, or this is, you know, an indicator of that we're actually the tides are turning and things, which we can say now looking back it was an indicator of that but at the time you couldn't have picked me off the floor I'm afraid I was absolutely gutted and you know the worst thing about it was that I go to all the games with Karen obviously my wife and, and she's normally she can normally switch quite quickly you know we get into the car and I've got a face like thunder and she's like look you know we're going to see the boys we're going to get our kids now so we have to snap out of it even she in the car that day then uttered a word on the way back from Hamden and it was a very quiet household that night and that's when you know that there's issues because if she's not able to snap out of it, then we're in big trouble. And that was one of those ones that really just a, a really a really gut wrenching defeat, David.
0: I never told anybody this, um, but after the game, uh, young James Forrest kindly agreed to give me a lift a lift home so that you know I didn't have to travel back on public transport, seeing that yep. lot. And the Daft Bastard took a wrong turn at Hamden and drove us right through the Celtic supporters, who, of course, all clock me. Yeah. Not oh, funny. Aye, no aye. And I'm just sitting there in my the car, and they're all running up and banging the windows. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is important to, to do now. Our European form has been good. It's been excellent, in fact. Some cracking results. Uh, we draw with Porto. We beat Porto in a magnificent Porto team. Proved it again. The season proved it. Season before proved it. The season after it. We draw over there with them. Alfie is on fire throughout this this European campaign. That week we have to pick ourselves off the floor to play young boys to get through. Um, Alfie scores, which I think talk about a set of swingers. um, And then absolutely celebration. Sorry, David.
1: Just to say celebration that night.
0: Oh man. Um, when he apologised, and it was like, "Oh, son," um, but we get through. Can't be mad at him. You cannot. No, he he missed a penalty. It wasn't. I'm. I'll be mad at him for something later this season. But I'm not mad at him because he missed a penalty. That happens. I wish it hadn't. But it's how you. It's how you get back up. And he got back up, and he files us through, and we're not through that group. If it's not for Alfredo Morelos, end of story He's he's looking just lethal The goal against Porto is top co- I mean the one in Porto is great But see the one at Ibrox That's an astonishing goal in terms That was
1: of a the phenomenal night as well Oh the atmosphere Because um, and... yeah, they're a right good side Oh
0: yeah Champions League last 16 The year before and the year after These are no mugs that's I think a... we massively
1: underrate that victory yeah, that I was about to say that's as big a victory over a top class European team, arguably as Parma under Advoca and things like that. Because, you know, we we've we've kind of taken it as being slightly routine given how good Gerard's been, but that was a huge, huge victory. They had class all the way throughout that side. And the goal we scored out there, is I'm glad you mentioned it, because Holander strides out of defence, plays the ball. It works its way. I think it's Kent who flicks it Thank to Barisic, know. and the po- pinpoint accuracy of the cross, the touch and then the finish. It was just absolutely glorious. And then he's got the trademark knee slide and, and point down, you know. And that was, again, another another phenomenal kind of night for us away from home in, in Europe under Gerard. The home game, brilliant. But as you say, that, that night against young boys... I was, you know, I was actually angry because we conceded such a poor goal that stopped us winning the group, and mm-hmm. I think it, it, that slight, you know, it didn't. I was angry at the time because you always want to see them win, and and i I give them, I do give the players a hard time, even you know, misses is constantly on at me, but I was disappointed that we didn't win the group that night, but it was a huge result, and like you said, Alfredo to, to go through one on one. Tuck it away, and any celebration you couldn't help but but love that. But a good, another excellent European adventure, David. So far,
0: yeah. I, and I remember Martin saying to me at the time because I was worried about that game, just the the funereal mood that was round as all. And he said, now nah, they'll bounce back." He said they're good at bouncing back. The problem is, is that there's so many occasions that they need to bounce back. Um, and he was right. But we're now going to come to. I think something that's important, we then, you know, go through the games, looking ahead to the old Firm game. A guy went on FF, followfollow.com for those you don't know the, the forum, the night of the defeat against Celtic in the League Cup. The people didn't want to hear it. And they said, we'll beat them at Parkhead. That's our, We've got their number now. Um, they don't know how to play us. They, they did beat us earlier in the season, but it was because they sat in and we got the team wrong. But today we've shown they can't live with us when we play that football. And, of course, everybody quite rightly said, they're talking out your hole. Um, you know, they've they beat us twice. We've no scored against them. you <laughs> Right. And um And the poor guy took an absolute pounding. And then, of course, we go to Parkhead. And this, I think, is huge. And it doesn't seem huge for very long but now that we're where we are, we haven't lost to Celtic since and in fact we've only drawn once against Celtic and we've beaten them five times and that day we beat them 2-1 a stunning goal by Ryan Kent and then unfortunately um, you know, poor East Celtic fans all fainted at his celebration and missed the, the second half Had they had they recovered in time they would have seen their side I think, rather expertly taken apart. Nico Katic gets the goal. Rangers get the victory. Now, there's a lot to take into this. I think we're allowed now to look back and take everything in one piece. I think we, we can do that. That's the point of this show. But at the time, you don't know. That boy came back on FF and went, told you's, And <laughs> he, he was righter than anyone could imagine, as it's turned out. But... It's a terrific performance. It does set the stall for future Rangers Celtic performances uh, under Gerrard and Lennon. But um, what it does is it makes you think, oh, well, we are over that cup final defeat. We have taken it the right way. Uh, and it you know it sets us up, we think, for the second half of the season. Now, we all know, and we're just about to discuss, w- why that was false. But it was, I think, the, the Harbinger, the turning point, we hadn't won at Parkhead for, what, a decade. Um, it was a huge result to go there. To the point where already now, there's no fear about... Go- I mean, I'm, you know, after years of us going, on oh, Parkhead, you know, and in the back of our mind going, oh, we know what's going to happen. Now, I'd I'd play them at Parkhead every week, quite happily. You know, there's absolutely no fear whatsoever about playing them. But at that time, we hadn't had won it, a win in so long. But we go there, we win. Our special players show again. They love that atmosphere. Ryan Kent, again. Sensational, um but uh, there was some uh, complaints and, and it, it, it stuck in people's mind because it's something that uh, got get even brought up in the comments of a previous show that we've done here about the celebrations afterwards when Steven Gerrard is obviously I think quite overcome with emotion. His whole team is, and some people have said since oh, they over celebrated. Um, and that that acted as a motivation for Celtic I don't really like that argument because to me that argument is oh, don't annoy them because you'll wind them up I think you're allowed to celebrate a big victory that was a big victory it was a huge victory, first win in 10 years the comeback after the League Cup, all of that there's no need to do it every single time and we'll talk about this next week after the next victory at Parkhead, it's just a handshaking off the pitch. But I think that that, oh, don't over-celebrate it because obviously it wound them up and they went on and won the league. They won the league because of what we did. It's always about what we do. We didn't do enough. If we'd done enough, we'd have won the league, and we didn't. That's why we didn't win the league. What's your view on it? I do think that Gerard did have in his mind the next time not to do it, but I don't, think I'm going to criticise people for a human reaction
1: No, no criticism at all and if we talk about Rangers overreacting that day, when you look back at Celtic's 2-0 victory earlier in the season, they were all over it at their end, you know, doing bowing, you know, all interlinked and bowing and Lennon was over there celebrating and getting scarf chucked at them and everything else what Rangers did was you know, ran to our corner which isn't that dissimilar There was a lot of passion on display from Stephen Jenner because it was a monumental moment for us. And a lot of that would have been on the back of the cup final disappointment as well, David. And they would have been, it would have been in their heads answering the questions and the critics that said they they didn't have the balls and they they didn't have the passion for it. But it's easy to say now that they may have over celebrated. But I don't, like you, I don't buy the argument that that somehow G's up the opposition because. As we'll discuss, and unfortunately, you know them winning or or being defaulted the league was purely down to the fact that we collapsed. So I don't buy it. There was a lot of things in that game as well. You know we don't overly need to to go back on it, but the referee performance that day was atrocious. You know stuff like Alfredo cleaned through gets taken down by Julian and they get the free kick. He then promptly gets sent off for a, a stupid moment which again has huge kind of ramifications and that's in the back of him being sent off at Motherwell just a few weeks before. So that has ramifications which would severely affect us. But in terms of, of that day, you know, you had the whole, it, it set us up David because I think we all believed at that point we would kick on because I remember social media was jovial it was a brilliant place. And then, of course, you had the phantom stories that Alfredo had battered Ryan Christie in the tunnel. And, you know, social media. Burst, burst his testicle was the rumour of yes. fans <laughs> for, yeah. But the, the reaction, obviously, on social media and the memes and the stories and things like that. And the funny thing is, a, a little small funny story, but I don't know if you'll remember this. I spoke to Colin about this recently, but I did a blog and it said that the headline was the truth about Marielos Tunnel Incident at Celtic Park, and when you clicked on it and went into it, it was just a picture of Nicola Kahn. I
0: remember that!
1: Yes! And all it said underneath was it didn't happen, you know, at Northern Odds, and everybody, it just, you know, I've wrote some some what I consider, David, like interviews with some massive Rangers players, and we've did stuff together, did blogs I think are amazing, and this one got 50,000 views in something (laughs) like two hours, And I thought to myself, you know, for all the stuff that I've taken time to do, this has been the most popular thing I've ever done. And it's just been a picture of Nicola Catech celebrating. So it was really funny. And it sort of spread like wildfire. And it just the mood of everybody in the camp at that point was just, you know, we were going to kick on and we were going to do it. And little did we know that Alfredo Morelos' red card in that game would be so pivotal Pivotal to what would happen in the next few weeks.
0: Yes, uh, and it was now that January transfer window. There's two things to discuss. One, couple of signings, I thought quite sensible signings. Firstly, Yanis uh, Hadji, I was very excited about, as you know. Yanis um, Hadji as uh, a guy I'd seen playing for Romania under 20s, famous 21s at the, the under 21 championship. Famous name, of course. Um, you know, his dad was. A legend, but I remember watching him and, and genuinely, specifically thinking, "Why wow, I wish we could sign this guy." And we did. Um, he was, you know, just superb that day. Uh, an exciting young talent, and of course, the fact that if we were to sell him tomorrow, we'd quadruple our money, and that's after the important part he played last season. And and, and people sometimes do not. Yanis Hadji, and I'm biased, so you know, I'll hold my hands up there. Winning goal against St Johnson, winning goal against Hibs, umpteen assists. The boy's been a good signing at three million quid, especially when you can quadruple your money on him. And the other one was Florian Camberi, who comes in and, and does OK. Um, it, It's kind of what he does, really. Florian Camberi arrives at a club and does well for a couple of months and then tails off. But loan deal from Hibbs, sensible enough bits of business, I thought, Stephen.
1: Well, first of all, like you, when they were first linked with Yanis Hadji and the names were going about and Yanis Haji, it was a real wow moment for me, as if to say, you know, wow, is this possible? Could we get this boy? I'm like you, I'm a, I'm a massive Yanis Hadji fan, and it took me a while. Something you said resonated with me really early on, and it began to take a, a different perspective when I was watching them. You said to me that Yanis Haji is a moments player. And that stuck with me. And when I allowed my sort of psyche and my, and my mind to agree with that, it's absolutely spot on. Because Yanis Hadji will drift out of games, will not be involved in, in and then have moments. And Yanis Hadji has got something like, I think, 23 goal involvements from the season where we've just won the league. And he cost £3 million. So, as you said, this is somebody that we're going to minimum treble our, our investment in minimum, um, I think we'll get a lot more incidentally but if you're looking at it on a bad day, you're looking at getting between 12 you know, twelve to 15 million for Yanis Hadji on a bad day and he, he's just, I think he's sublime I think the stuff he can do, the vision and we cry, we were at this point David got to remember as well, we were crying out for somebody to do something different and that's exactly what Yanis Hadji is Yanis Hadji a, a game changer, he's He's a moments player. And what you said to me is, I think, it's, it's not... How do I say this without condescending people? But there's a lot of people that maybe look at Yanis Hadji and expect him to take on two, three players and and score goals like Gascoigne or Laudrup used to do. He's not that type of player. He's a player that will sit and, and pick out those intricate passes. He will find space between the lines. And if you look at the, the goal involvements of him and the moments, like you said, big moments, Hibs, St Johnston. There's been a lot of games that have been 1-0 where he's popped up and, and done vital passes and assists and goals as well. So, no, I'm like you, a massive signing and bringing him in six months, you know, getting him ready for the defining year this year, the, the championship year, w- was a masterstroke. So, definitely good business. I'm not and I wasn't a Florian Camberi fan, I'm afraid, David. Didn't like him from the word go. I didn't think he was good enough. And as it progressed and people were saying, you know, I think we should sign him, I thought that he just looked fairly decent in a team that was in a bit of a rut. Didn't ever like the look of him. He's got a style that I just never kind of grasped. And it's no hard feelings. It's, you know, it's it's no bitterness or or dislike. It's just a player that I just thought wasn't good enough for us. We were at a stage where we had plenty of players like Florian Camberry. We needed the next level up. And I just didn't think he was that, whereas I knew and was convinced Yanis Hadji was.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that that's a fair, you know, that is a fair point. So I think that, uh, I, I think you're right in terms of did he did he stand out uh, in a poor side? He did. And that's what we're going to talk about. Why was it a poor side he was standing out in? Well, Rangers go off to Dubai. Never go to Dubai, I think is the rule. Yeah, I think we've learned that. There's a lot of allegations about things going on there. Um, now, you and I have both asked, investigated, talked to. Nothing's ever come out if anything went on there. So, I mean, have you heard
1: any different like, concrete? No, I remember, and and this isn't meaning to name drop. Um, Clang! I, this, I, it sounds It's going to sound wanky, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. But Michael Beale actually messaged me that night on um, Instagram. Now, there was not Instagram, sorry, Twitter. There was a lot of things going on at the time. There was massive stories about Alfredo, about his private life. There were stories of of fighting and drinking and partying over in Dubai and everything else. Um, And I had put out a thing, the same as you, saying, look, this is is a nonsense. This isn't happening. You know, let's... I think that also, a, a small point, David C., I don't think this would happen now with this group in terms of rumors and I think our PR has is has is, is moved on is a lot better than what it was now because it was kind of like an empty vacuum if if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Like
1: you would have been contacted immediately to say this is completely nonsense and we, we could have stopped it a lot a lot sooner. But Michael Beale actually messaged me th- that night and says, Look, he says, this is absolute nonsense. Nothing's happened. Nothing's going on. Let it be known that that these things are are completely false. Your connections as well we had bottomed it out, but it didn't stop it david It didn't stop the rumors. It didn't stop the the chatter and of course, what happens we We have an early bad result, and as soon as that happens, you were never we just couldn't recover because no. social media was so negative that obviously then went on to the this from the stands on to the pitch. And it just—it's just so disappointing in terms of where we'd been to where we. It's so very quickly unravelled.
0: I have asked privately, and even sometimes you can ask privately, and they say yes. But if I ever hear you talk about this, you know, (laughs) I'll—I'll—I'll set fire to you. Um, and they tell you, and if that had been the case, and they'd asked me not to say, I probably wouldn't say. But I wouldn't I wouldn't come on here and say nothing happened. Yeah. But I've asked privately, I've asked, you know, when people have been relaxed and drunk and happy and, you know, were champions and they've all said no, nothing happened. So either there is a law of a or what I suspect it is, Stevie, is that the fall off in form was so baffling that it's human nature to go there must be a reason for this there must be one single reason because at any time if we have an issue and if we can find a reason then we can fix it and we can make sure nothing will happen again so it's very tempting to go it must have been that because then we can ensure in future that doesn't happen and therefore this will never happen again and of course life is much more complex than that much more complicated than that and what happens is that there's a number of factors. And to this day, I think a lot of Rangers players and management don't understand what was about to happen and why it happened. We come back, we play Strenrad in the Cup, and we're really poor, in all honesty, but fair enough. Um, just back after three weeks, uh, we win the game, so, you know, nothing much to it. And then, wow, Uh we we place it and we beat them 1-0 and we're all right and then we go to Tyne castle and we're bloody awful and we lose 2-1 to Hearts shocking performance After we beat Ross
1: in the lead as well again. oh yeah
0: we are we are terrible absolutely terrible that night uh then we go we beat Ross County but then we play Aberdeen at home nil nil not playing well at all beat Hibs at home 2-1 not playing well at all uh but at least we won but you know we're definitely not playing well, and people can see this. We then go to Rugby Park, which has been, you know, a graveyard for us many times, and we beat uh, we take the lead, great Scott Arfield goal, and then we throw it away. Absolutely chuck it away, end up losing two one. At this point, you know, the wheels are definitely coming off. We beat Livingston one 0 in a a strange game, one I think that people will look back on history that was postponed on the Saturday because of where they then played on the Sunday. Uh, we go and we play St Johnston away in a, a shoddy, shoddy performance. Um, we draw two each. We are rubbish. Our defence is a joke that day. Both Golden and Katic have absolute nightmares, but everybody is having nightmares at this point. And then we take on Hearts in the Cup. Alfie is late arriving back from international duty, and the manager drops him. Rangers, just a few weeks after a shoddy, shoddy performance at Tynecastle, put in a shoddy, shoddy performance and lose one nil and go out the cup with a whimper. Rangers, ah, uh, don't have any players who are in form at all. It's just a fact. We just don't. We are a mess. The players look utterly bereft of confidence. This is a side that went at Parkhead two months earlier. Nobody is playing well. The attackers don't want the ball. The midfielders are letting people run off them constantly. The defence don't know what balls to go for, what balls not to, to pick up. Nothing is working at all. The team is just completely gone. And that night, famously, Stephen Gerrard does an interview in which he says, I'll need to think about the future. Rumours immediately start that he's leaving. Stephen, it's been put to me, and I think it's a cracking, cracking point that obviously Covid will soon bite, but that if we hadn't still been in Europe, would Stephen Gerrard have walked? Only he knows, but uh, it's a frightening thought now. But I, I did think that weekend
1: he's, he's going. I thought he was going. Yeah. Um you know? I, I don't. Mean, I don't mean to sound silly when I when I say this, but see, talking about it, I get you know goosebumps and, and, and horrible feelings. That kind of shuddery feeling, of <laughs> remembering that Sunday evening and that aftermath, and immediately turning. You know, to the missus again, and, and saying that he's he's finished, he, he's done, and then there being all the rumours, all the talk, again people on it on it us, you know what's going on, and there was a real again a, a vacuum of, of what was what was happening. I don't know if Stephen Steven Gerrard would have walked. I don't think that's the case. I'm I'm honestly I don't think he's that kind of person, but I think that he was asking the, those probably for the first time in his career. As a whole, he was asking himself those questions, and that was enough for me. It wasn't really, you know, we. I'm I'm certainly a fickle, normal football fan, in terms of, oh, you know, get him out, hopeless, blah blah blah. I've never really said that with Steven Gerrard because even when and we look back on blogs and stuff, and I've always said we need to stick with this. We need, I believe that there's a an outcome. And even in being so mad after that Hearts Cup game and, you know, I forget it, they can all go and I'll bloody drive them wherever you want, blah, blah, blah. And like you said, the players form had fallen off the cliff. When I heard that, there was a gut-wrenching panic within. If he walks away, you know, Beal, McAllister, everybody, were back. Oh, they all go. Yeah, they all go. Where is the end in sight? Where, Where is, you know, this is just going to keep going round? Because... If Stephen Gerrard can't do it, who can? And it was just a hopelessly empty feeling. I don't, I don't believe he would have walked, David. But I think that that night and and one coming up was the lowest point. Even after the cup final void of of you know such a disappointment, that was horrible. That Sunday, yeah. night. Wave, that, that was that.
0: my lowest point. I thought. Yeah, I because- mean we've spoken about this personally I'd invested so much in Stephen Gerrard being a success that had he failed god knows where we go you know and, and who's next and you know surely I can't put that much faith in this particular person because I've been burned you know by believing in this guy and uh, it was just it was hellish. And, uh, of course, we, we're we going to probably skip by two important victories a wee bit just because of uh, time. And that uh, those are the matches against Braga. Fantastic result. You know, the night at Ibrox, the Hadji night, the Joe Aribo goal was absolutely won. Against a great side, <laughs> they were terrific. They race into a 2-0 lead and you're thinking, Jesus, this could be six or seven. And then somehow, with the help of the crowd, who are magnificent, we get back in 3-2. Then we go over there and beat them 1-0. But then Ryan Kent famously says, ah, oh, well, we, we don't feel under as much pressure in Europe. There's a lot of pressure domestically. And of course, people are going to then go, these guys don't have the mentality to play for Rangers, you know, if they can't handle this. And it's totally understandable. We play Hamilton at home. There's captain's notes in the programme where James Tavernier speaks about that and says something similar um, I think we're not given a lot of secrets away when we say that uh, these, the captain doesn't go away with a pen and a bit of paper and write these notes at any club uh, sorry if you know you believe that um, but we play Hamilton at home and, and we're actually, believe it or not people have said oh, we're terrible that night we're really not terrible, we make loads of chances, you just can't score we could have played all night and not scored and then Connor Goldson, of all people now, you know, seems odd but makes another mistake we lose at home to Hamilton, Rangers should not lose at home to Hamilton, ever Um, but then we've been hearing about this thing called Covid and the world shuts down and that's the end of the season the SFA of course are in a rush to a Celtic the title. Now we'll speak more about what happens in that period, both on and off the pitch. Well, not on the pitch, but off the pitch and with the club next week. But at that point, Stephen, there's a wonderful, wonderful old old phrase: "The night is darkest before the dawn." And if ever that phrase applied to a situation, it was now. When I was leaving that Hamilton game, and I I, I was devastated. My little dog had died um, a couple of days before, and I was just, you know, bereft. Uh, but the, the boys from, from H&H got me, and they said, like, right, come on out. And, you know, they looked after me. Absolutely brilliant. But after that Hamilton defeat, if you told me, by the way, David, you're not going to see Rangers lose another league game before... You know, by next summer, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, you're not going to see this Rangers team even concede that often. You're going to see them win every single home match, and you're going to romp to the title next year with the same manager, with mostly the same players, and they're going to be everything that you think they can be, and you're going to win 55. On March the 7th, I would have punched you in the face and said, stop talking shite round me. What has happened from that point to this
1: is a movie script. A couple of things. The funny thing is, it was exactly a year between Rangers 0, Hamilton 1 and Livingston 0, Rangers 1, which more or less clinched it. Um, for you know, and then it would be a couple of days before we we actually sealed it at the weekend, so if you like you, I met you that night i don 't know if you'll remember this because yeah i remember it was obviously, that. I'm just yep yeah, well at the at the Sign across the road where where we all sort of congregate and stuff like that, and I remember saying to you david I think that's it, I think you'll walk and you said oh, I no, so. no, I think you said along the lines of well. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, sort of thing. Like there was a definite resignation amongst all of us that we were at a, a point where we we thought it could happen. But I don't think anybody envisaged, you know, that it would turn out the way it did. Certainly not in the league over the next season and, could, and certainly not to stop and you'd, you'd and have the safe. Oh yeah, I mean, we—I would have got a clip round the ear and, and slapped <laughs> off, off one of the the boys in the pod, big Alex or somebody, you know, who's a general optimist. We'd never even have thought that. So
0: you and I are optimistic people, right? And yeah. we, get, we sometimes get abused for it for being, you know, too optimistic on your know, social media or, or pods or or your blog or whatever, right? It's not just we'll win the league next year. You can say that. You can be defiant, and you never know. But by the way, this will be one of the best. Well. In terms of points, this will be the best league season you've ever seen. I've ever seen. Yet there was nothing at all that night. The the players were gone. I mean, their confidence had gone. They were talking shite about how there was too much pressure. And then now we're sitting here undefeated champions. I mean, this is why we love this sport. This is why we love this club. Because... You can't, you know. People ask me why I, I read non-fiction books rather than fiction. This is why real life throws
1: up more amazing things than any book. It's incredible, really. And if you look at the things that were happening at that point, David, in terms of right, you've got James Tavernier, who is after those comments, I've, I've, I've said at the time, you know, if if he goes, he he should go. Captain can't speak like that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera or he can't have words like that put to him. Connor Goldson had made a horrendous mistake at Kilmarnock. He made another one at Hamilton. He was at fault at Hearts. It was. As, as basically his form had fallen off the cliff, then Nico Katic wasn't performing next to him. So all these wee things that had been good, you know, at that point in time, defensively, you know, midfield was missing. Stephen Davis is, is kind of, he's looking leggy, he's looking tired. Well, know, all, yeah, I mean all the things that could have went wrong had went wrong. We weren't scoring Alfredo, you know, many people after that hearts game, David, very much like the previous year when he got sent off, I was done. You're was ready done. to yeah, you're ready to drive him down the road. And there's just so much going on that if we look back at this point, you know, that this is a this pod that we're doing in, in reflection and in growth. You know, this is this is going to be quite a, a, a sort of negative one, but it's not meaning to be because this is so important to what happened next, which will obviously come in the next episode, which is going to be, you know, bloody fantastic. I can't wait for that one. Hmm. I think it might that's... be a
0: two-parter, genuinely. Yeah, I think it yeah, might I be a you're right
1: because we have to discuss everything that happened in the summer yeah. leading to this season because COVID might have came at a time where it, you know, I'd like to invite. I'd like to imagine that the players all sat down together and said, "Forget what's went on, but every single one of you need to focus, need to learn to, to perform for this badge, perform for this club, because we cannot have this same thing. Because all of a sudden, that Connor Goldson has came back and been, <laughs> been Richard Goff, no <laughs> mistakes, robotic. How can it go? You know, James Tavernier." Captain Courageous, man of the season, you know everything i'm, I'm that's not an exaggeration, David. It's just crazy. It went from one extreme to the absolute other, and we'll need to dissect how it got there, but this was definitely in terms of Gerard Rangers, where we were, this is definitely the most difficult period, but not only was it the most difficult like you say. The, the the change is just so instant it's difficult I, i'm i'm trying i'm struggling to put it into words because we've went from being in such a bad place to doing what we've done now david and and that you know i, I wouldn't be surprised if it's two parts not only because this season deserves to have a, a definite scrutiny as well and an adulation because they've been sensational but we 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 will need to try me and you to Eloquently get to the point of how have they managed it? Because I don't, I'm not sure we can.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun trying. Yes, absolutely. But, but no promises
1: that we'll we'll get to the bottom of it. But we, we might not get we'll, the answers, but we'll have a good time discussing. Well, have,
0: we'll have a good time. I discussing the questions, absolutely. And uh, yeah, just as you say that, I, you know, this shows brought back a few emotions for for you. It's brought back a few emotions for me. I hope for the listeners. Um, but next week, even just thinking about it now, getting the feelings. But, uh, yeah, probably be a two-parter, folks. We'll, we'll see how it goes. That's a good thing about Stevie and I being our own bosses when it comes to this kind of stuff, that uh, we we set the rules. So, Stephen, it's been, I don't know, a pleasure,
1: but cathartic.
0: Would that be the word?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, in order to get to where we want to be, even in this episode's sort of, you know, series that we're doing, we had to cover this as in-depth as we can, and I hope that you know, the feedback's been great, David I'm so enthusiastic about how people have been saying, you know, about the series and what we're doing, I'm really glad because if, if people didn't listen, you know, it would just be us yeah. having a chat, so it's, it's been great, and I hope that people you know, will enjoy this and, and take it for what it adds, a wee bit of therapeutic kind of discussion because what happens next is why we're doing this basically mm. you know and and there's a lot more to, to come and discuss and and if people you know if people want us to, to mention certain things and, and talk about or discuss they should they should definitely come in the comments and we can go from there as well it's really exciting where we are in terms of the series to look on I'm really excited about talking about this championship winning team. And talking about not only not only that, but in terms of where we go next, because this isn't this isn't the end. It's only the beginning.
0: Absolutely. We'll be back next week, folks. Until then, stay safe. Take care. Bye bye.